Welcome to the Product Podcast by Product School. Here's a preview of today's talk. You need to convince uh, cross-functional partners to work with you. Um, So you you must be a good storyteller. Um, And a key part of being a good storyteller is having empathy. Having empathy for your users, having empathy for your engineers, having empathy for everyone you work with. Um, If there's one thing that I think is an absolute deal breaker, um, if you don't have empathy, uh, you you won't be a good product manager. Um, And and I think it's something that is probably quite hard to teach somebody. You really must develop it on your own. Um, Another flip part of this is listening. Um, Humble listening is is another way to talk about it. Um, You need to kind of step back and ask users questions around their pain points. Um, and you need to step back and ask, ask your engineers about the particular technologies that are available to you so that you could figure out the right technology for the right user problem. In this podcast, we teach our listeners valuable lessons about product management and transform them into thinking like a product manager. We teach product management, coding, data analytics, and blockchain in 14 campuses worldwide, including San Francisco, New York, and Seattle. You can find more information at productschool.com. Join our Slack community of 25,000 professionals to network and stay tuned for our upcoming events. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, My name is Jana Yushkina, and I'm here to share my journey from a data analyst to product manager with you. Um, Before uh, we get started... A really quick disclaimer, uh, this is just my story and it's highly colored by my personal experiences um, and therefore reflects my personal opinions. It does not reflect the opinions of my employer. Um, So this is my journey. Um, After I graduated from Amherst College with a degree in economics and French, I joined Analysis Group. Uh, Analysis Group is an economic consulting firm and my specialty there became health economic outcomes research. Uh, which uh, is largely looking at health economic claims databases um, and analyzing them to determine whether a particular treatment is uh, more cost effective and also to assess the cost of a particular illness. Um, So this was very fortuitous because it allowed me to build out a good toolbox, uh, technical toolbox, uh, such as R, uh, SAS, SQL, and also gave me a rigorous understanding of statistical analyses. Uh, One day, I got a phone call from a Google recruiter uh, to come and interview for a role on the diversity team. Um, I've always been very passionate about diversity, uh, and this was a role that combined my double passions of analytics and um, and diversity, so this was a no-brainer, and so I joined joined that team. Uh, At some point during this role, uh, my job changed from providing individual analyses to building scalable data solutions. Uh, for our staffing and compliance organizations. Um, And so just to give you like a sense of scale, staffing uh, teams at Google are a couple thousand people. So um, not quite the scale of Google products, which number in the billions, uh, but also not a few people. And so this was my really my first experience with product management, um, although I didn't know yet. Um, To build these scalable solutions, I held focus groups with my users, um, the people that would actually be using these solutions, these dashboards, and then designed around their pain points, um, and actually got to build out those dashboards and deploy them. 
Uh, around the same time, I realized I didn't want to go deeper. Uh, I'd been doing data analytics at that point for roughly five to six years, um, and I didn't want to go back to school and you know, study data science. I wanted to go broad, and I wanted to have a more direct impact on the users um, of companies that I worked for. Um, so uh, I started to think about, mm, what could I do with that? And with a helping hand of a fellow colleague, uh, was introduced to uh, a product manager on the Chrome team who offered me the opportunity to do a small 20% project. So what's a 20% project? It's a bit of a Google thing where on top of your regular job, you get the privilege of working on top of that uh, in something that's an area of passion for you or maybe a new career opportunity like it was for me. Uh, and this, pr this first project that I got to lead was making the sad tab less sad. So the sad tab is the thing that you get when your tab in Chrome crashes. This was my first project. Uh, I got to work very closely with the Chrome Stability team, which is highly technical, uh, and realized that, um, and also use their knowledge to address uh, user needs who are, um, for users who are very frustrated, right? It's really annoying when you're doing something and your tab crashes. So how can we communicate better uh, to actually help those users do something that will fix their problem? Uh, so it was a very cool first project, absolutely adored it, um, and also built some credibility with the Chrome team, uh, which allowed me to do uh, an informal uh, role with them for a few months while I prepared for official transfer interviews. Google is a big company, and there's a lot of bureaucracy, so you can't just, a team can't say, oh, you, you're awesome, come work with us. You've got to jump through some hoops. And so finally, at the end, ta-da, I was a product manager, and I've been doing that for about two years now. The journey can be a little convoluted, uh, it's nonlinear, and there are steps along the way to validate that it's the right path to be on. So what do I do now? Uh, I have two broad mandates. My first mandate is to make sure that the Chrome browsing experience is customized to each one of you who is using Chrome. Um, so what does that mean? It means allowing users to customize the way their new tab page looks, um, allowing them to customize their shortcuts, themes, uh, easy access to emoji. I was really proud of that one, changing lives. Um, uh, but anything really that's about expression. Um, my second mandate is to make sure that uh, users around the world have access to information on the web. So uh, about half, uh, a little over half of the world's uh, web page are in English, but roughly 15% of uh, people in the world speak English as a first or second language. Uh, and what this means is that a lot of people, uh, if we didn't translate content on the web, wouldn't be able to access it. So what I work on is built-in translations in Chrome, uh, and we leverage um, neural machine uh, technology so that we have state-of-the-art technology already built into Chrome, make sure that the UIs are intuitive and optimized for those who probably don't speak very good English or might be new to technology. Um, so that's what I do. Uh, and to step a little back, what is, what is a product manager, right? Like that, that was my mandate, but, but what's my job? So a product manager is a person who is responsible for the overall user experience. Uh, product managers typically don't build products. They typically don't hire engineers. Uh, but yet, they are actually responsible for everything that the end user sees um, and interacts with. Uh, in my opinion, good product managers, great product managers, share some attributes. So I'm going to go through a couple of those. The first one, and those of you who are already doing analytics are going to be pretty thrilled about this one. Um, analytical ability, ability and critical thinking um, are absolutely clutch to being a good product manager. 
So as far as analytical ability goes, really what this boils down to is the ability to take a very uh, complex, uh, vague uh, problem space and dilute it, distill it into distinct uh, problems and then find solutions for those distinct problems. Um, it also means being able to take that problem space and build a vision for a product around it, um, identify which features should be part of that product, build a roadmap that allows you to plan how you will make that product a reality, um, and then decide what the team uh, is going to build next week, right, OKRs. Typically, um, this also means being a critical thinker, right? Um, it's your job as a product manager to come to a team and say, actually, what we're building is not the right thing for this problem space, or, you know what, this problem space doesn't have a lot of opportunity. Yes, we've invested three years, but let's stop. That's not the right thing for us to do. Um, so that's where critical thinking comes in. Um, and lastly, um, I didn't say this explicitly, but, but strategy, actually being able to think two, three, four, five steps ahead, um, understand what's going on around you in the market, and plan accordingly. Um, a second key attribute that product managers absolutely must have, at least product managers in this space. Um, I should do a very quick comment. My experience is very software focused and it's very Silicon Valley focused. I don't know what it's like to be a product lead for a bike company. And so that's why my experiences are very much around this. But you replace tech with the field that you are the product lead for and it still holds true. Um, so it's absolutely imperative that you're passionate and curious about technology. Um, Despite the fact that many job applications for product managers state that you must have a computer science degree, I actually don't believe that it's, it's necessary. It can be helpful, but I don't think it's, um, it's absolutely needed. What is needed is this voracious desire to learn about the technologies that are available, the ability to speak with technology experts um, intelligently, to ask them the right questions, uh, and to understand what they're actually telling you. And then, of course, the ability to explain complicated technology in simple terms. Uh, one question, if you ever interview for a product manager, that you will often be asked is, explain this to me as if I'm five, right? That's the true mark that you understand something, if you can explain it simply. A third attribute um, is a highly uh, overdeveloped sense of responsibility. So, as I mentioned earlier, it is the product manager's responsibility that the product works for the user. And what this means is nothing is not your problem. This doesn't mean that you fix it, but you're responsible for finding the person who should fix it, for prioritizing issues, for having the foresight to anticipate issues, for making sure everybody's informed, and every other thing. I mean, um, bring the coffee, make sure your engineers, you know, have the rest that they need. Whatever it is that needs to happen, it's, it's all on you. And lastly, but certainly not least, communication um, is incredibly important for a product manager. Your mandate is to be the evangelist for your product. What this means is that not only must you convince users to try your product, cross-functionally, you have to convince stakeholders to support you with resources, right? You must actually get engineers to be on your team. Uh, you need to convince uh, cross-functional cross partners to work with you. Um, so you, you must be a good storyteller. Um, and a key part of being a good storyteller is having empathy. Having empathy for your users, having empathy for your engineers, having empathy for everyone you work with. Um, if there's one thing that I think is an absolute deal breaker, um, if you don't have empathy, uh, you, you won't be a good product manager. Um, and, and I think it's something that it's probably quite hard to teach somebody. You really must develop it on your own. 
Um, another a flip part of this is listening. Um, humble listening is, is another way to talk about it. Um, you need to kind of step back and ask users questions around their pain points. Um, and you need to step back and ask, ask your engineers about the particular technologies that are available to you so that you could figure out the right technology for the right user problem. Um, and lastly, you know, PMs are the quintessential networkers. Like you are supposed to know what everybody in your company, especially if, if you work for a big company, is doing so that your team doesn't get stuck working on something that another team is like quarters ahead on. Um, so that's kind of the fun part you get to go to a lot of events and talk to a lot of people. So why do I think that analysts um, make particularly good product managers provided that they have some of those other attributes? Well, it's because um, the gold standard for product design is data-driven design. Nobody kind of goes and, and develops a product in isolation and ships it to users and hopes that it works. Um, if they do, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an expensive way to, to, uh, to play, uh, play crafts. It's better to just go to, to Vegas. Um, what we do is actually we identify uh, first user needs either through user studies and surveys or through metrics that are already available to us. Um, and then we make sure that we have a North Star metric that guides our, our product development. Um, and in addition to that, we do A and B tests, right? We develop maybe a couple of solutions, and we identify which one works um, through these A and B tests. Um, so because of this, I think that those with an analytics background have a few superpowers that other product managers might not have. The first superpower um, is knowing what to measure and how. This may sound very obvious, but oftentimes it's far from. Um, how do you translate a qualitative goal, like make sure that YouTube is the most popular video service in India, into a metric? Should we measure one-day actives? Should we measure installs? Um, analysts have a keen understanding and a keen instinct to identify what the right metric is. Um, Sometimes you can't actually measure for the specific thing that you want to improve. Uh, user satisfaction is uh, very, very hard to measure in the wild. So data analysts are particularly apt at finding proxies so they can triangulate and get to the right metric in the end. Um, when to keep slicing and when to stop, right? Uh, there, it's a bit of an art rather than a science to understand whether your results hold for the entire population or whether you need to you know, go look at emerging markets separately and see if the uh, metrics look very different. Certainly for my product, for Translate, that's almost always the case. Um, and then uh, you're like the analysts who become product managers are the dream uh, person for metrics engineers to work with because they know what metrics need to be tracked, how the dashboard should look, um, and they know how to, um, how to interpret them. Um, and lastly, you know, noise versus signal. When we run A and B tests, um, lots of people don't, aren't familiar with statistical significance, right? Um, not every, not every um, result actually uh, is attributed to a signal. So if you have an econometrics background, if you have a data analysis background, already you are in a, at an advantage to interpret results correctly. Um, the second superpower, uh, which is related to the first, is self-sufficiency. If you can run your own custom queries, if you can uh, do your own analyses, um, if you don't need help understanding dashboards or being acquainted with a new uh, data set when you um, are onboarded onto a new product, 
Um, engineers love you because you're not adding work to their plate, which is already quite busy. And you get to ship products faster, so users win as well. Um, and of course, A and B tests, right? Setting those up can be quite tricky. And if you have experience doing that, again, you saved everybody lots of time. You made sure that the results are going to be what you expect them to be because if you set up your NB test wrong and then you went and did a whole bunch of work and then you find out that your config was not quite what it was supposed to be, you're going to have a bad time. So, uh, again, another competitive advantage. And lastly, uh, persuasion with data. Uh, this is actually purposefully very bad visualization. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but data visualization, right? We make a lot of decks as product managers. So having the chops to do that very quickly and efficiently, very useful. Uh, and most importantly, being able to actually summarize results of these experiments, of these A and B tests. Um, you, those are, are uh, essentially clutch when you make a decision to go or no go on a launch, because you'll usually experiment. Um, and, and those results need to be presented in a persuasive manner and shared with leadership. And so if you have experience doing that, um, it certainly helps to get your products launched without any additional questions. Um, this is one of my favorite quotes that illustrates this point. Um, if we have data, let's listen to data. But if all we have are opinions, let's listen to mine. Um, and particularly with leadership, particularly with people who've been around for a long time and have long-held opinions, um, you're going to have a really hard time convincing them that your like, brand new opinion is better than theirs, um, unless you have uh, something to prove it. And I actually have a good story to, uh, to share here. When I was uh, just starting out as a product manager on the language team, I was working with a much more senior um, product lead for the entire Google Translate team. And quite, a, quite an intimidating guy. Um, and I thought that we should kill this feature. There was a feature on desktop when you translated a page and you hovered over text, it would show you the original language, uh, which, you know, seems like a good idea. If you're learning a language, it's cool to compare the original and the translation. But it turns out that for most users, they didn't understand the original language at all, and this wasn't useful to them. And also, it was preventing them from actually navigate, navigating the website. So it was bothering a lot of folks, and this feature had like 100 stars um, in our public bug depository. So um, I couldn't convince him right off the bat. So I went and did a usertesting.com study, wrote up the analysis results, sent it to him, and, and um, you know, lo and behold, he was convinced, and we killed the feature, and I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, it's not all about launching products. Killing products is really important as well. Um, so... Let's say you were hearing all of this and you're like, this sounds awesome, this is for me, I want to do it. Um, so what are the steps to um, actually become a product manager uh, if you're a data analyst right now? So first you want to validate that this is actually what you want to do. There's a lot of glamour sometimes around product management. Um, but excuse my language, the first way that this was described to me, this role was described to me as being a shit umbrella. What this means is everything bad that comes your way from users, from leadership, from cross-functional stakeholders, you're holding this big umbrella and protecting your team from them. Um, so there's, there's very little glamour to the role. Um, occasionally you get to go have cool presentations and you have a lot of impact on users. So if that's, if that's what motivates you, the, the impact that you might have on users, then it's the right thing to do. So how do you try it out? Um, Easiest way, if you are working with a product team or if you know a product person in your company, you can shadow them. 
It's a little harder to do this at other companies because of uh, uh, non-compete non and NDAs. Uh, but if, if there's a PM at your company, shadow them for a day, see what they're doing, even better for a week. Um, if that seems like, if, if that doesn't scare you off yet, um, volunteer to help them out. So essentially create your own 20% project with them um, in the same way that uh, I got to. Um, if, or say that you can't find a PM willing to uh, provide you with a 20% uh, opportunity. Uh, find an engineering team that does not have a product manager. This is another way to be very helpful. Uh, product, uh, productless teams um, can suffer from a number of problems. One, they might not know what they should be building. Uh, they may ha have a technology but not know what the product, uh, what the market fit for it is. So there's lots of opportunity to help there. Um, so okay, so you did this. Uh, you're still on board. You still want to keep doing it. The next step is to try uh, an apprentice apprenticeship um, and learn by doing. Um, there are no there are no schools for for product management besides product school. In general, most people learn on the job, um, and so. How do you, how you learn on the job if you can't get the job, if you haven't done the job? Um, you can build something yourself. So you can start with a, a product that you've, uh, a, sorry, a problem area that you've identified. You can design a solution for it. You know, look up product requirements docs online, write out your own. Um, and then either yourself, if you have the technical chops, or with the help of friends or the community here in the Bay, we're very lucky. There are lots of people who have technical chops. Actually build it out. Um, if you are less keen on doing uh, your own product or building your own product uh, and you are able to get approximate PM to give you a 20% project, the ne next step is to convince them to give you a bigger piece of the pie. Um, again, if uh, the company that you work for doesn't have formal uh, abilities to rotate onto other teams, uh, you might have to be a little clever with working double jobs for a little while. Uh, but anyways, even when you're doing a 20% project, that's exactly what happens. So by that point, you'll be used to it. Um, and lastly, if you're fairly junior in your career, associate product management roles um, are available at multiple companies. Usually, they require a computer science degree, but not always. Um, and they're really for people who are one to two years out of school. Good news, though, MBAs count as school. So if, if this is something you're super excited about, that's one way to, to switch careers and get into this, um, this profession. While you're doing your apprenticeship, you'll probably find that you have some gaps to fill. They might be technical, they might be on the design side of things, um, or you might be lacking some business chops. There are so many books that are recommended for product managers. Uh, literally Google product management resources, product management books, um, you will find all of these. They, they tend to repeat themselves, uh, but they are um, they're very good resources and I think everybody should uh, read them at some point. I didn't put this here, but Stratechery uh, is a blog that pretty much like everybody who's worth their salt reads. This means that everybody has very similar opinions, but it's still good for you to know what those are so you can form counter opinions to them. Um, also, yeah, if you are not familiar with designing systems, this first book um, is phenomenal. If you interview for a product role at Google, you will have a technical interview that will ask you to design a system. Uh, which can be absolutely terrifying. And this book is a great, great source of preparation. And lastly, you've done all of that. You're getting ready for interviews. These two books um, 
really, really helpful. There are also lots of online resources that uh, ask PM interview questions. I just have two pieces of advice. Uh, the first one is focus on the user. Um, it, it, it sounds a little trite, the focus on the user and all else will follow. But if you go into a product interview and you're not, your first point is not, let me think about our users, let me talk about what our users look like and define their problems, the rest, whatever else you say won't matter. Um, and secondly, when you practice answers to these questions, sit your dog down, your cat, like your spouse, and just talk at them even if they're not interested. I imagine the cat particularly won't be super interested. But don't just read the answers. Practice actually going through the answers. Um, and if you have a way to find a whiteboard, try to whiteboard your answers because that's a really good way to keep the interviewer aware of your thought process. All right, so how has my life changed now that I'm a product man manager versus a data analyst? Um, lots of emails, lots of meetings, no more spreadsheets, very little SQL, despite the fact that I was saying that you can do your own hands-on stuff, but most of the time you don't actually have time for that. Um, I wish that I said that I spent a lot of time whiteboarding uh, these blue sky visions. That happens every, every once in a while, uh, but most product managers will tell you we're drowning in email and talking to people because, once again, our role is to evangelize a product. Um, the errors that I make have changed, and so has their impact. Uh, you know, before maybe you would make a miscalculation in a big spreadsheet, and it would take you a while to track it down. And I suppose maybe sometimes you wouldn't catch it, and it would lead to real business uh, business impact. Um, now, the errors that you make are strategic. Say, not um, you're working with a cross-functional partner, and they don't seem super interested. They don't have a lot of time. So you go and you develop a feature on your own that incorporates their product. And then you try to launch this feature. And at the last moment, inevitably, they will come in and say, you know what? We want you to do that differently. Uh, and you're going to have to scrap that launch, uh, which is super not fun. And you never know when a small strategic mistake like that um, can really cost you months and months of development. Um, before, people were asking me favors. Uh, can you run this analysis? Can you do this really fast? I need it tomorrow. Now I'm the one asking everybody favors. Um, hey, can you make sure that my engineers have this thing? Um, it's, it's a very different mindset. We have a system of uh, something called peer bonuses at Google. Um, before, uh, I'm not trying to brag, but I'd get a fair share. Uh, peer bonuses are somebody thanking you, and you get like you know a small amount, nominal amount of money uh, with that thanks. It's a nice, nice kind of way to thank people. Uh, I wish my friends would do that for me when they thanked me. Um, yeah, now now it's all me. I don't think I've ha I've gotten a peer bonus in in, in a while. Um, and lastly, but most importantly, your impact is very direct, right? Like whatever you are actually deciding to build, uh, in my case, will impact roughly 2.5 billion people. Uh, which is terrifying and exciting. Whereas before, uh, as a data analyst, my impact was mostly indirect. Um, and just to leave you with a final thought, if this is something that you're really passionate about and you're really excited about product management, uh, it can be a convoluted journey, uh, but don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it because you didn't go to Harvard and don't have a double major in like neuroscience and computer science. Thanks for listening to the Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes. If you want to know more about our courses and next courts, visit productschool.com.
Stay tuned for the next episode to learn more about the secrets in product management.